Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Jody Long, webmaster for the Near Death Experience Research Foundation website for the past 20 years that provides support and a forum for indie ears and those who want to know about the afterlife. She has several decades of experience researching paranormal and related phenomena. She has written from soul to soulmate, bridges from near-death experience wisdom and God's fingerprints, impressions of near-death experiences, which was the first book of its genre published in mainland China. Jody, thank you for being my guest today and welcome. Well, thank you for having me. I uh, am very excited to be here. So Jody, how did you go from being an attorney into a near-death experience researcher? Well, obviously I started off being an attorney, but I've always been interested in paranormal since I was like 10 years old. My parents, they gave me an astrology kit and I just went absolutely nuts. You know, that's when you sit down and you you do the little calculations by hand. Mm -hmm. So I was very good at math because I really wanted to know those angles. All right. But what was your first experience or interest actually into NDEs itself? I had never heard about the near-death experience. And I had done all sorts of things and reading and, and all, uh, you name it. I had, I had tried or at least looked into it or read about it. And then I met my husband in 1999. And after that, he told me about the near-death experience. And I kind of looked at him and said, hmm, well, that's interesting. Okay. You know, and then just knowing him and then after we got married and, you know, all this uh, website stuff. It's like, yeah, I get it. Uh, there, it is a big deal, and it's extremely meaningful in people's lives. When did you guys start the Research Foundation? Jeff started it in 1998. So he's been doing it for a very long time. And I'll let him tell you that story. But uh, he found out about the near-death experience when he was in residency. And then he met an NDEer, and after that he was he was hooked. He thought it was an amazing. He couldn't believe. He says, "If if this is true, then uh, my whole paradigm of the world changes the way that I look at it." And so he went and decided he was going to research it and find out directly from the near death experiencers themselves. How did you shift from being an attorney into being a webmaster? <laughs> well. He doesn't have a lot of color sense. <laughs> and so in my mind, I said, you know, he's going to be going on a talk somewhere. I'm going to just surprise him and make it so that it's beautiful. <laughs> and so I sat down and just started playing with it and um, came up with a, a very nice design. He was absolutely shocked, but I got to tell you, it's so much better now. <laughs> Can you tell us what inspires you about NDEs? I think that what inspires me the most about NDEs is the ability to connect with people. Because as human beings in a three-dimensional reality, we don't normally see that we are connected to everybody and everything. And to me, it's so important to understand that we are connected. And that part of us that is connected is also connected to God. It's connected to the universe. It's connected to all of it. And so to me, to realize that we are just, uh, that we are part of this grand, beautiful, wonderful world out there, uh, to, that's exciting. And you're here on earth, you've got all these stresses, all these troubles, all this uh, just chaos. And yet, you know that if you're centered in your soul, if you're centered and you understand this connection with everything, 
You are so much more. This stuff down here doesn't really matter anymore because you're connected and you're not alone. You're not isolated. You are totally one with the rest of everything. You're an attorney and you're probably more experienced in critical thinking skills and looking at evidence. Can you tell us about how you look at NDEs wearing that hat? I think it's really important to have a basis in both the paranormal world and in the world of science and reality. Because those things that we observe, they're repeatable. And that's the basis of science. And so when you are looking at things, you know, like somebody will say something that, well, you might have seen it in a near-death experience, but basically what you're looking at is you're looking at the bell curve. And when you see that bell curve, you'll notice that there are some experiences over here, but they're not normal. They, they're deviations from the middle. And so one of the things that you have to realize is if somebody says, oh, yeah, well, they saw a, a UFO in their experience. Okay, well, how often do you see that? You know, is this representative of the median? Is this what most people experience? And you would have to say no, but it is within the scope of possibility. So it might sort of be you'll see things in the near-death experience that, well, maybe they did go outside of their body. Yes, they do, and they may see things. But how many people continue on? You know, you're, you're looking at what exactly is the near-death experience, where does it fit within the spectrum of all other experiences, like how similar is it to a dream? How similar is it to a waking vision? Or are there time differences? You know, you're trying to fit everything into our world. You've got puzzle pieces. And the near-death experience gives us all the puzzle pieces, but it also gives us a lot more. Because basically, the brain, uh, what we can think, or, or our soul, what we have experienced, uh, all these things we are capable of creating. So yes, this is a tiny, tiny dimension, but you may want to know what exactly is out there. What is the basis for truth? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? You've got all these questions because we're here on earth, but... The near-death experience will give you an answer or at least point you in the right direction so you'll be able to see all of it or as much as it you can in a, in a 3D brain. On the NDERF website, I believe you allow people to type in or upload their experiences. Is that correct? Yes, we do. We have a questionnaire. It's got over 100 um, points, data points. And from that, we're able to determine many different things. Like, for instance, if you go back into some of the history of NDE research back in the 70s, you're going to see things like the Weight Core Experience Index. And that is basically trying to separate what, how many points of certain things will allow it to be called a near-death experience and how many would be closer to like what happens in a dream. So there's these different kinds of measurements. There is the Grayson score uh, scale, which will allow uh, basically, if you've got seven or above, that's a strong NDE. Those are the near-death experiences that, that we use in our research because you're pretty certain that if they've got this seven and above, because that is a, uh, it is something that has been validated and it's scientific. And if you've got that, then you can say, okay, now what, uh, what alone, what experiences, what exactly is the near-death experience? You're a lot closer because you've got these strong um, experiences, you know, like people go up to heaven, they uh, may go to the vat of creation. I mean, you've got all these different things happening, but how much of that actually fits in the near-death experience? What's the definition of a near-death experience? A lot of people, they don't know that. And so they'll call a dream a near-death experience, you know, just because, well, I died in my dream. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think this is a great point that you touched on, and I don't know if you've memorized this data, but since we have many, many people watch these NDEs over and over again, can you give us some of the data so people can judge for themselves whether they feel like this was an NDE or not? Like, do you know the points on the Grayson scale or the other, the one that you previously mentioned? There are points in on the Grayson scale. And um, these points, I think there's, uh, we have them in our questionnaire. And so these points in the Grayson scale, um, yes, they're there. And you can even type in Grayson scale and uh, Grayson NDE scale. And you will see all the different questions that they ask. And it'll be zero, one, and two. And then they score them. And then if you have a seven or above, these will be questions that um, that go, uh, that score whether or not you've had a near-death experience. Now, basically, Jeff came up with the definition of a near-death experience because this is what he was seeing. And this is what gives us a tighter range of near-death experiences. Mm -hmm. And so the tighter you are with your definition, the more likely that you will have stronger, more robust data that can be repeated. And so basically a lucid experience associated with perceived consciousness apart from the body occurring at the time of actual or threatened imminent death. Now, each one of those has a little bit of a different um, element of the near-death experience. Because basically a lucid experience, when you go into this experience, you're going to notice that this feels more real than even your waking reality. It is totally lucid. People say that it's hyper lucidity. So that's one part. And Perceived consciousness apart from the body, that means that people, they come out of their body, they physically feel separated from their body, and they're able to look down on their body, or their their consciousness is no longer in the body itself. It's totally separate and away from it. That takes it out of the realm of the brain. It seriously is your consciousness, your memories, your everything that makes up your soul. Maybe not the whole soul, but it's definitely a part of the soul. And then it occurs at the time of actual or imminent death. Now, a dream is not a death, but an imminent death. I mean, we have a type of experience that's called a, that we call it a fear death experience. And this is when somebody literally jumps out of their body because they're afraid. You know, like if somebody's putting a gun to somebody's head, uh, a lot of times they will just leave <laughs> because they think they're <laughs> going to be shot. Um, or, uh, for instance, a um, we've had a lot of fear-death experiences where somebody says, I was so, uh, they're, they're running and they accidentally jump off a cliff, you know, and, and then they they leave their body before they hit the ground. Uh, these these are all part of the realm of the near-death experience, but it's just a little bit different because they didn't die first, which is our definition of the near-death experience, and then uh, they didn't come back to tell us about it. Obviously, uh, if they're telling us about a fear-death experience, they did come back, and they're telling us their experience, but it's not in this particular definition. Now, one thing that I really have to say, the near-death experience is a lot of people get very upset if their experience is not um, scored as a near-death experience. Well, I know it was a near-death experience. Why did you do that? You know, they, they want to be part of that group. But there's a difference between a group of, uh, there's a group, there's a difference between what we experience and there's a difference between science. And so what Ender has to do is we have to straddle in between those definitions. 
because everybody's experience is meaningful. It's it's uh, beautiful uh, or 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 not, you know, if they've had a hellish experience. But these are meaningful things to them, and they know that there is something that their soul has experienced. But the problem is those uh, many of those things like for instance if somebody goes into a coma or if somebody has a heart attack at home many times they don't have that that requisite of of science attached to it but yet they know that it's real it's part of them and so the the thing that we're doing is jeff works in science and if he worked in anything else, he wouldn't be believable. So what he's doing is he is fulfilling a role that needs to happen because he's putting the science of the near-death experience and taking it a little bit further into the paranormal, uh, which you normally can't do. But what happens is when what he's doing is he's able to say, okay, by using these repeatable results, I can show that this happens because it happens to all these people. It doesn't matter their age. It doesn't matter about their gender. It doesn't matter about whether they've got money or not. It doesn't matter if they live in Timbuktu. These are all common human experiences. And to be able to take it a little bit further, what you have to do is, um, I liken it to sort of like the soft sciences. Like, for instance, psychology, a lot of times you can show by using a lot of numbers of experiences that people have, you can show that these experiences are accurate. You know, they use it to develop theories on how to treat mental illness. But you can still use the soft sciences, like in sociology. You can still use it in psychology. These are soft sciences to say, hey, these are things that people experiences. So are you going to call everybody liars? No, you're not going to. You're going to say, hey, this is a human experience. Therefore, it's real on some level. And these are experiences that these people have. You use the word consciousness out of body, I believe. And I just kind of put it simply as like an OBE, out of body experience even though we're kind of talking about the same thing. And I think some people can have OBEs not due to a, a, you know, to fear or trauma, but by definition, I would assume that to have an NDE, you have to have the OBE component. No, that's not necessarily true. Basically what you're looking at is yes, the out of body experience in the near death experience is actually um, something that's like an end of life issue. So you're basically looking at something very different than, for instance, a meditation near death experience or a, a meditation out of body experience or a, a, an astral projection. There's a lot of different types of out of body experiences that have nothing to do with being near death. Yeah, but I mean, by definition, to have a near-death experience, you still have to have the out-of-body experience? That's part of it? You have to have separation apart from the body. Now, is it an out-of-body experience? I would say it would probably have to be, but I have a strange, I have sort of a feeling that when you're closest to death or dead, you know, because a lot of these people really are dead mm -hmm. and then they leave their body, this is a little bit different than somebody who still has a tether to their body. And you probably are able to go and see different things that you may not be able to experience in your physical body. But then again, since we're not doing a lot of research on, um, well, the, the, um, uh, Robert Monroe, the mm -hmm. Monroe Institute. Yes. He does. Uh, there, there are many people who do, uh, this type of science, but at the same time, it's a question that I would like to explore. Okay. Where does, where does the idea of an out of body experience, where does that come from 
in relation to the, to the near-death experience. We know it can be a part of it. Obviously, it's not the total part of it, but does it have something to do with being close to death? Or do the people who are part of the out-of-body experiences who are still tethered to their body, can they reach far? I, I'm sure there probably are people, you know, like, um, for instance, the, the, the Buddhist monks, uh, they, they can definitely do an awful lot when they're not in their body. Do you think the tether is only broken at complete death of the body? Or can they be near death and still break the tether? I don't know. I've never seen it. So oh. I, I, I have, uh, you know, I, I guess the, the sky's the limit. Some probably are, some probably aren't. The one thing that you can say about the near-death experience, you can't say everybody has this, and you can't say nobody has this, because, you know, there's always an exception to the rule, always. Yes, that's so true. That's what makes it difficult for me to put the puzzle pieces together after listening to 500 is there's always an outlier. Yes, there is. How many NDE cases have been uploaded to your website? Well, we have over 5,100 experiences. Now, all of those are not, quote, NDEs. Some of them will be probable NDEs. Some will be possible NDEs. We have started with the spiritually transformative events because I feel that a lot of people have these types of experiences, which are close to the near-death experience. But if you don't make people aware of these experiences, they won't be able to tell the difference between one or the other. But they're all kind of like a, a, a continual spectrum. And each one has something very valuable to contribute, not only to science, but to our personal lives as we live them. Have you gone through and read every one of those? <laughs> Pretty close. It's amazing. Yes. And Jeff has too. <laughs> That's fantastic. Within your website, do you separate the information and create some kind of database that people can research all these experiences? We have a, a little bit of one. Um, you can put in, uh, for instance, if you want to do NDEs that have the word love. Yes, that will show up there in one of the uh, databases that is actually on there. It's not quite as useful as we would like it to be, but I am currently working with a fellow to try to get a searchable near-death experience website. But what's really cool is I want to be able to include not just the near-death experiences, but I want to have all the other experiences from the after-death communication website and from the out-of-body experience website. And I want to be able to put it into one big giant database. And then people can say, well, I'd like to look at ADCs, uh, after-death communications. What, uh, what things are common to the after-death communications that people have after somebody dies? Um, and what about the ones that people have in a near-death experience? Are they common? Do they have a different function? Uh, are they similar? Are they different? And if so, how? These are all questions that we'll be able to answer. How have your thoughts or your impressions of NDEs changed over the years? I would say <clears throat> um, I have a communication, uh, a bachelor degree in communication, and I'm always interested and how people tell their story. And one of the things that we came across very early were there were many people who were Christians and they would describe the near-death experience in terms of the Bible. What is interesting is that we used to get so much pushback for posting those types of experiences because they said, oh, well, you're, you're, you're siding with the Christians. You're doing this. You're doing that. It's not uh, empirical research. But what is really interesting is if you look at when people have an experience, the experience themselves, those are not made up. Those are experiences. But then how do you explain an experience where everything is happening all at once. You really can't. 
Because what you've got to do is you've got to take and you've got to order it. You've got to make it linear. Instead of spatially all over and around happening, what you're doing is you have to put it in a linear thought. You have to make it so that other people can understand it. So you're communicating and then you're telling a story. Okay, that's how we learn. But what happens with the near-death experience? Basically, if a person is used to, for instance, if they're like being a fundamentalist and they want to uh, talk about uh, the NDE to another fundamentalist, they will use things very similar to the Bible. They'll just use Bible verses. And, and so, yes, it will come out when they're explaining things that this is a Bible thing, you know, and, and it may come out that way, but this is how they tell the story. So that doesn't negate the near-death experience itself. This is just how they say it, and this is how they communicate it. So I, I think it's very important that, um, or another thing uh, that people don't may not understand, it uh, may be very hard for somebody who's had a brain injury. Now, they will be able to remember this near-death experience, almost like a flashbulb moment. I mean, it's like, boom, and they live it over and over and over again, sort of like PSD. TD, but not really, because there's love, there's peace, there's order, there's all sorts of things that are involved in the near-death experience that is not part of the brain. But when people go through these types of things, uh, they may they they can remember it and they'll be able to sort of speak it to somebody else who can write it for them. But the actual uh it's very hard and very difficult for many people to be able to explain these things to other people uh, just because it is so outside of our, uh, our human reality, our 3D reality. If you don't mind, I'd like to ask you some of your own personal theories and ideas. For example, what do you think God is? Because I'm sure you've had NDE or say I saw an old man with a beard or all the way to we are all God cumulatively. Where are you at on God? Well, the first thing that I would say about God is that we can only have the smallest approximation of God in our three-dimensional brain. And to say that we know all about God is just ludicrous. I mean, God is everything. And I mean, everything. He's everything. He's nothing. I mean, he is just so vast that there's no way we can comprehend him in our three-dimensional brain. And I think that even the NDEers, when they go to a fourth dimension or greater, they can't understand God. So basically, you have these little parts of God that we can glimpse in the near-death experience. Now, my personal thoughts on that. I think that we see God as we can comprehend God. And so many people who see God as a person, that's how they comprehend God. And that's how they understand God. But yet, as you keep reading, as you keep learning, as you keep expanding your own awareness, you're going to find that from what I can tell, I think that God is actually a force. I think God is a creative force. But yet God is also a person. I mean, because that's how we comprehend God. So uh, to me, it's like I look at, at uh, for instance, uh, Jesus. I, I look at Jesus as being the personification of God, where we can understand him because he's a person. Um, but yet God is something so much further above that, we're, we're not going to understand it in our lifetime, or maybe not even in the in-between lifetimes. What are your thoughts on reincarnation? And if you believe in it, why do we keep coming back over and over again? Reincarnation is a very interesting thing, because you've got many theories that people have talked about. One of my favorites uh, is uh, 
Diane Cannon and Oh, Dolores, excuse me. It's Dolores, Dolores Cannon. Yes. I was thinking, is this, isn't she an actress? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about uh, Dolores Cannon. Right. And she was probably, in my estimation, I think she's one of the, the great uh, forerunners of just about everything. And I know it sounds a little strange when people say stuff that has to do with um, hypnosis. And with finding out certain things that may be channeled either from your soul or channeled from other entities. And she was able to get the mind to be in a certain space where you would be able to get this information. And she would spend many decades and, and her books are just absolutely fascinating because you can see things uh, that when she talks about reincarnation, it's very interesting. And it may be different than some of the other things I've read. So I can tell you theories of what I've heard. I can tell you what Buddhists believe. I can tell you what different religions believe, what the Hindus believe. Uh, but maybe reincarnation is a little bit of all of it. Again, like the near-death experience, you're seeing all these little pieces, but we can't actually know what's going on. So what might reincarnation look like? Okay, you could be anything from experiencing being a rock to a human. Or you may only come back as humans. Or you may uh, experience some kind of creativity uh, for instance, Dolores Cannon has people that have experienced being, for instance, uh, the mist in bringing about a new planet. And so they're giving it water. And, and so uh, it's all part of a creative process. Um, I've also heard some really way out things. Um, I'm not sure what I think about them, but you know, I've heard it. If I keep hearing it, then maybe I'll give it more credence. If not, I go, well, you know, that's something that goes over here unless it can be proven. But a lot of people have some interest in reincarnation that has to do with being a human soul. And as a human soul, if others are aware of how to trap that soul, reincarnation can either be a way of getting uh, energy, negative energy, off of people and feeding entities that are not part of this world, or reincarnation may actually be where you're able to get off the wheel of, of of reincarnation by having this karmic thing. So if you did something to somebody, you come back and you make it better next time. Uh, there may be some component like that. There may be a part of your soul that is so um, beyond that, that what you're doing is the, the person that's here on earth right now may be your least common denominator. And you have to learn about uh, evil. Or you have to learn about how do you get around certain things? How do you learn about love? I mean, how do you truly learn about love if you're always ensconced in nothing but love? You're yes. never going to know love unless you know not love. So there's many different ideas. You learn reincarnation. You learn different aspects of love. You learn different lessons about being human. You learn uh, reincarnation has is it just totally boggles the mind. And then some people may just say, well, uh, we come here, we live our lives, we die, we go to heaven or the other place. You know, it, 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 that may be true for somebody. I mean, who knows? One of the things I find fascinating is the guests who say when they're over there, not only do they forget about this last incarnation, but they don't even care about this incarnation. Like they didn't care that they were John Doe. You know, yeah, and, and that's that's really true because if you look at okay, let are you a parent? Do you have kids? yes, I have kids, yeah. Okay, so you understand this. You're a father, I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother. Um, but see, when you're trying to discipline your children, 
Do you sit there and say, no, you're bad. I'm going to send you to hell. Or would you rather say, okay, now this is one thing that happens as a consequence of what you're trying to do right now. See, if you do it this way, you're going to spill it all over the floor. Or would you rather say, okay, what would you rather do? Would you rather pour it in here and you do it this way so it doesn't get all over the place? Or are you going to blame them for making the wrong choice and making a mess? I mean, these, these are all types of things that if you're an entity that is so much greater, you're going to allow people to be able to have that free will, to have that free choice of saying, do I want to do this? Oh, that didn't turn out real well that way. The only sin in my mind is if you didn't learn and you got to do it again. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it, it's always one of these things because you do have that free will. What type of spiritually transformative experiences have you had personally? I can tell you that one of the things you'll notice throughout your life, you personally found that many people who have NDEs gravitated towards you, and now you've got over 500, okay? What you start to notice is you'll see these types of synchronicities, and those really are something that your soul is looking for or looking out for. And every once in a while, you'll notice somebody who's like a, um, they're like a waypointer. You know, they say, well, you might find something better if you look at it this way, or, or you might be more interested in doing this because you seem to have these types of characteristics, okay? Now, what I had that happen to me, there is a, a, a lady, her name is um, Pam Kirshner, and she is a hospice, or she used to be a hospice doctor. And we were in Colorado, and we were at an IONS meeting. And what was really interesting is we sort of follow each other, but we've never actually had a, a sit down and talk with each other. And I thought it was really interesting that this one day, everybody was on their way, they were leaving, they were gone. And she was sitting there, she was just waiting. She had the feeling she was supposed to meet somebody. <laughs> Along comes me. <laughs> and so, um, we sat down and we were talking. And one of the things that I was really curious about, she had been talking about a heart attack that she had had. And she said, you know, it was the weirdest thing. It was like I was breaking into pieces, like, like shards of glass. Parts of my, my personality were being broke off. And there was just this one part of me that remained. Everything else was just shards coming off of that personality. And so we were talking about that because I thought it was really interesting because I haven't actually heard a near-death experiencer say that, but yet she was, she had this experience and she said, you know, Jody, this was ways into the conversation. She says, you know, one of the things that's really important is you ought to teach people how to be nice to one another. And I looked at her, said, wow. You know, um, and this was way back before COVID. This was back before uh, people started getting uh, polarized and divisive and, and so mean to each other. I mean, it's it just, this was a time when she said, Jody, you ought to look into helping people to be nice. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> well, this was sort of like one of those way showers. And, and I am eternally grateful for that experience. So was it a spiritually transformative event? Uh, maybe in a way, but it was it was more of a, a realization of something, some small part that I can do with the, the planet, you know, teach people to be nice, show people what it's like not to go off the handle, you know, like, like I've had people come up to me and they say, well, uh, you've had this happen to you. Why aren't you angry? And I, I'll just say, well, I don't think I have enough information. I mean, as long as you're coming at something from a rational perspective, if you're coming at something from an emotional perspective, you can be controlled. You can be directed. Other people will, will take that anger and say, take it out on that or take it out on that person. You know, But if you're trying to be nice, you have the facts, 
you think about it rationally, and you never come at something from a place of anger. And to me, I think that really is the next step in mankind or, or humankind. You know, it, it just really is where we need to be is to say, okay, stop. Don't let the, the anger and those things, the negativity that we see in ourselves, we can be better than that. And you look at the near-death experience, you see love, you see stories about peace, you see stories about communion, being close with each other. You know, I mean, these are just truly amazing. And, you know, we, you and I will go up to the stars one of these days and we'll say, wasn't that fun when we had that experience that we got to talk to each other and remind each other what it's really like out there? I mean, these are wonderful stories. They're great. And they are a part of our history. They're a part of who we are. It's so interesting that you mentioned about being nice to each other because overwhelmingly, so many people tell me that what they learn from their life review is that just small acts of kindness are more important or way more than anything else. And that's really true because small acts of kindness. Now, this is not uh, being on, on, you know, you're not being here and saying, hey, um, I'm going to do this so I can show my audience how nice I am. You know, I mean, it isn't virtue signaling. What it is, is you say, you know, this person is having such a hard time. Look at them. If somebody just walked up to them and gave them a hug or if somebody, you know, look, they're hungry. Give them something to eat, you know, or, or uh, just one small random act of kindness. You know, you put a little extra into the communion plate or you, you give a little, uh, you know, or any small act. These are showing your true soul. This is who you really are. And those small acts will remind you, you are part of heaven. You are an angel. You are all part of this love and this light. I know consciousness is hard to define, but do you feel that your consciousness is separate from your body or your consciousness creates your body? That is an interesting question. Because your consciousness, you've already made these ideas up and you've said, I want to have this kind of life. I want to do this. I want to meet this person and, and marry that person. And, you know, you've got all these, these types of things that you have predetermined as to types of lessons you want to learn. <clears throat> but the individual acts. Now, that is something. Is that, is that so? Your body itself could actually be part of your consciousness because you predetermined this. You said, this will be my parents. This will be my, my kids. These will be my uh, people uh, that I go to work with. All that kind of stuff is, is something that can be created by consciousness. But is the brain actually your consciousness? And I would say, no. Because your consciousness can be totally dead. It can leave your body in a near-death experience. You've got all your memories. You've got all your uh, emotions. You've got all of your, uh, everything that makes you you is actually out of your body in a near-death experience when you're dead. So the brain obviously cannot be that part of your consciousness. It, it just, uh, if it was, let me give you an example. One time I had a kidney infection. I, I didn't even realize it was a kidney infection. And um, I was shaking so bad. And I was actually in the emergency room. And my body, it was shutting down. Now, why would it be that when I'm getting ready to die, if I would have waited uh, even a couple of hours later, I would have been dead. But at that time, my body was saying, uh, I couldn't carry a cohesive thought. I couldn't track anything linearly. I, I could not do it. But yet, I felt, I felt my, my uh, they call it a reptilian brain. It's the, it's the brainstem. But I could feel, I felt tremendous sadness. I couldn't enunciate to you why I did, but I know what I felt. And so I would say that 
these people that say you can have a near-death experience and and because this really is a consciousness experience it's not a brain experience and so you can have these these spiritual experiences that are not part of the brain yet you have to have the brain to be able to remember it and what i think happens i think that we have certain it's called a piezo electric that means it's light it is light triggered and light is what you notice that you go through in the experience in the near-death experience the first thing you see is light and so why could it not be that it is the light that triggers the near-death experience memory and that is where the seed of consciousness may actually be it has something to do with memories and light and and that's sort of like an interface that allows it to be able to communicate with the spirit i'm sure you've had many people tell you or write down on your questionnaire that they went through a tunnel do you feel the tunnel experience is the action of the spirit or soul leaving the body or the spirit or soul moving from one realm to another i think that's possible uh, it may even be probable because if you look at for instance a wormhole what does it look like it goes like this and like that in the middle it's like a tunnel possibly other people have other theories but you know when i looked at that i'm like well maybe you're going from one dimension to another and maybe it does show up as a tunnel or a tunnel may represent something else for instance there are several ndes where they talk about the tunnel being like a time uh, a choice tunnel and you can open the door and then you're going to be able to see or to choose different realities so is it a dimension that would actually make it dimensional because that would be a, like a three dimension and then you would be choosing you'd be like in in like a fourth dimension or greater and you would be choosing whatever three-dimensional reality you wanted to enter. So possibly, possibly not. Um, these are all theories. I, I'm not sure. With, with the way the human uh, spirit is, and you can go anywhere with anything you can imagine, it, it may be many things. But the closest that we can actually att attribute to it may actually be just a tunnel at this point. And it may be something greater when we're outside of our body. What seems to be coming more common is that experiencers are reporting that they feel like this realm we live in is some type of simulation. Have you read about that? Yes. And as a matter of fact, I agree with it. And I can tell you why. Because <clears throat> it goes to our science. And, and fractals. Fractals are actually light. And if you go to a, a, a two or three dimensional reality, you know, like you can see me here, right? And, and as you can do that, that's a, that's a two dimension. Sometimes you can get into a three dimension if you've got special glasses. But the fractal, the way that they do holograms is it picks up all three dimensions in every little piece. So every little piece will have you in a three dimension. And then if you, if you happen to break that, you will fractal. You, you will be, there'll be a million pieces of you, but it will always look like you in the third dimension. Now, take that a little bit further. Imagine that if we are like, and we can do this. Let me see here. Okay, I'm going to show you something here. Now, take this. Imagine that that each one of these pieces of paper. Imagine that it's a round uh, globe. Okay, but notice that each one of these pieces of paper. If I'm up here looking down, 
Each one of these pieces of paper could represent one part of our personality. You've got infinite numbers of three-dimensional realms that you can choose. Each one of those fractals that is you, you could choose to have experience a life somewhere here. And what's really cool is you could pick this particular life. You could say, okay, this on the outside, this is me now, but I'm also experiencing me back in the past. How far back in the past? I don't know. Maybe you were your grandfather or your great-grandfather. Maybe you've got the same DNA. But it's, it, it's really mind-blowing when you can look at all these possibilities because we're not just here in this reality. You can choose any one. You may actually be experiencing or, or your soul may be experiencing crossovers into another timeline or the same timeline so that anything you do now will affect what you did in the past or vice versa. A significant portion of the near-death experiencers report to me that early on in their NDE, they wind up in a room, like a waiting room. Have you seen that? And what are your thoughts on that, if you have? I have seen it. And I think that the near-death experience itself is a co-created experience. And for some people, a waiting room seems to be the... uh, the median that they have chosen, their soul has chosen to be able to talk to their soul, their their more infinite part of themselves. And so uh, a waiting room can mean different things. It may mean a waypoint. It may mean uh, a an office. It may be many different things. So, uh, but it's something that is neutral. And it's something that allows them to understand more about their experience. You know, like, for instance, Jesus appearing in a business suit. You know, and the guy says, uh, Jesus asked him, he says, well, would you have believed me if I would have showed up in sandals and a robe? (laughs) It's like, well, (laughs) he says, no, you you make more sense here. I'm seeing more often that some near-death experiencers encounter aliens during their NDE. Do you see that? Some have. But remember I talked about that bell-shaped curve? The people who see aliens or describe them as aliens is in that is a very small amount. So while it's in the realm of possibility that they may be interacting with aliens, um, this is something they need for their spiritual growth. What about going to alien planets? Some people have. Um, again, I, I think that you can basically be or see or do anything, but when you're dead and you're getting ready to go to the other side, or even if it's just a, an experience that you need to continue because you know you're coming back, uh, some people have choices, some people do not. Uh, but all of these these um, experiences are something that they need. I've had a few, and predominantly the people that do go to other planets describe going to the water planet, hmm. a planet that's entirely water, and you know the the people or the beings there are fish based, fish like beings. Have you seen anything that, like that? It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of people here that are probably from different planets. So it, it doesn't surprise me at all. Have you ever seen an alien or UFO? <laughs> yeah. Um, my sister and I, we were outside and we were, um, I was in high school and we had like a, a, a hedge. And so the bottom part of the hedge served as one person's court because we were playing badminton. And then the upper side was served as the other person's. And uh, we were just sitting there, my sister and I, we were playing. And then all of a sudden, this this thing, it just kind of, and it was right above us. And we're like, you know, we were yelling and screaming for mom to come see. Mom, mom, look at UFO. And and, uh, by the time she was able to get to the door, man, it was gone. It was like, out it went. (laughs) And so, yeah, we did see it. I mean, um, both of us, uh, it was pretty interesting. 
I've never seen anything move that fast or anything like that before. That's amazing. So you have three different websites, right? Correct. One of them is nderf.org. Correct. And then um, can you tell us the other two? We have the After Death Communication Research Foundation, adcrf.org. That's for after death communications where somebody dies or um, something that happens, an event that happens right before dying. Um, and, and a person experiences that with another person. And, and the person on the other side will communicate with the person who's living. Uh, that's one type of, that's the after death communication. Now the OBE website is oberf.org. It used to stand for Outer Body Experience Research Foundation, um, but we use it a little bit differently because it's everything is included in there since the people have the darndest experiences. I mean, they have all kinds of experiences. And to just say we're going to do a near-death experience and, a, and an after-death communication is, is kind of silly because there's so many more things that happen to people. So we just made it a kind of a default for everything that's not a near-death experience or a after-death communication. Besides reading about other people's experiences on your websites, what else can people do there? We have many things. Um, we also have we have uh, the Facebook, uh, so people will be able to. We have like a a, a learning uh, panel of, of people through the near-death experience uh, website, which is also uh, part of our nonprofit foundation. And uh, they do like individual learning programs for people with NDEs and, and they just kind of, they talk and they teach. Uh, then we have a, another one, which is enderf.me, M-E, which is a small uh, bulletin board, which is not, uh, it's not big like, like Facebook, it's kind of small, homey, uh, NDE related, and and it's we keep it purposely small so people feel more comfortable um, sharing and and talking and, and learning. Uh, then we have uh, we have poems, we have art, we have books, we have. It, it's not just about people's experiences. We have just everything from all over, and we have it translated into over 23 different languages. And these are hand translated. So we do get a lot of experiences that are non-native, you know, they're, they're, non, um, they're, they're not uh, English or uh, they, they may be from uh, India. They may be from Africa. We get from uh, all different languages. It's truly amazing. This is a global effort. Your book, God's Fingerprints, as I mentioned earlier, has been published in China. How well has it been received over there? I don't know. Uh, it's really hard to, to find out. Um, I, I think it was just one of those flash in the pan things. But, you know, uh, I think that the website actually has more uh, people that come to it uh, because they don't have to. It, it's free for one thing. And, and people can uh, read as much as they want. And it's not just somebody handing somebody a book. Um, hmm. So that, that makes it nice. But it's what started that is my grandfather, um, he, was, he went into the nursing home uh, and he was just really missing grandma. And so I said, well, would you be interested in NDEs? It'll help you prepare. Uh, when you need to go over there to the other side, it'll help you be more comfortable. You'll see grandma when you get there. You'll see all of your all of your chihuahuas. <laughs> and uh, I said, you'll you'll see, uh, you know, this this is nothing to be afraid of. And he says, sure. So I went and I, I went and put a whole bunch of experiences into a 4D, you know, in one of those uh, 4D binders. And um, then I handed it to him and I said, you know, what would happen if we did this in a book form? We took some of the best NDEs and we put it in a book. And for people like my grandfather, who did not have access to a computer, uh, they would still be able to read the experiences and they would still be able to 
help prepare themselves for going to the other side. That's a great idea. Should people look for your books on your website or go to Amazon? Uh, both places. They're, they're both places, but eventually you'll wind up at Amazon. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you personally and ask you questions. Are you open to that? Oh, sure. We have lots of people. Um, I, I have a running dialogue with a fellow from Venezuela. I mean, it's just amazing. So, yes, I, I, I can even use uh, Google Translate, and, and we do quite well with that. <laughs> Is it best to contact you through your website? Yes, that does help. But I can give it uh, Jody, J-O-D-Y, at enderf, N-D-E-R-F dot org. Jody, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? I would say that the best thing that you can do for yourself is to read the near-death experiences. Because what you're going to find is you're going to find a lot of really beautiful stories about love. You're going to find out about peace. And you're going to find out about happiness. And I think that's what the world needs a lot more of right now. Jody, thank you for that message. And thank you for being my guest. Well, thank you. It's been very nice to talk with you. Thank you. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.